0: Hello everyone, this is Pastor Josh Strzelecki. I wanted to provide these snippets of doctrine for you so that you can uh, meditate upon these things and think about these things throughout your week. Again, it'll just be a brief time together as we go through some things that uh, I basically draw out from my own personal study and my own personal edification as I, desire, as I desire to be a helper of your joy and a teacher of the doctrine unto godly edifying uh, this is something that I desire to do. Uh, through the emails, I've been writing and typing some things out, but providing you an audio um, format, an MP3 file, uh, it will streamline things for myself. and I think it would be beneficial for you to, to download them and store them and, so that you can refer back to them if uh, you need so or if you want to be, if you want to. Um, I'm going to call our times together, weekly wholesome words. And the reason why I want to call it Weekly Wholesome Words, because we're going to be doing this weekly, but also because of the terminology I think is just very um, beautiful, beautifully put in the Scriptures. That expression, Wholesome Words, comes from First Timothy chapter 6, and verse 3. He says, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, and then he goes on and describes if they don't consent and they don't teach wholesome words uh, what they are. But there's that expression, wholesome words. And then he says, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, those are the, the words that the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven's glory has committed to the Apostle Paul for the doctrine which is according to godliness, as he just says. And so those aren't the red-letter words in your Bible. Those are the words in which uh, the Apostle Paul has provided for us, that God has provided through the Apostle Paul for us and they're wholesome. And I love when you get to the pastoral epistles here and that, that terminology, wholesome and, and complete, because that's what you're getting when you're in the pastoral epistles. You're you're getting to the, the latter portion of Paul's ministry and therefore the, la- the, the 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 end of the purpose that God has to provide the Word of God to us to name this dispensation of grace and therefore fulfill the canon of Scripture. And so they're wholesome words. There's there's nothing lack it, lacking. There's nothing insufficient. There isn't, you know, there's supposed to be five parts, but yet there's only four. They're whole. They're wholesome, and this is what is supposed to be taught. And this is what we're supposed to be going through. Doctrine, which is according to godliness, and godliness is godlikeness. Thinking like God thinks. And therefore having a natural outlet of that thinking into your conduct and behavior, and therefore laboring together with God in his business. As Paul instructs Timothy regarding these things, he also mentions earlier in chapter four verse fifteen, he says, Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them. And so as there's wholesome words, we are to give ourselves wholly to them. Not just not just our spirit. Um, not just our body, not just our soul, but our spirit, soul, and body. In fact, that's what Paul mentions regarding our sanctification in First Thessalonians chapter five. He says in verse twenty three, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna be dealing with wholesome words during this weekly time together. And we're going to be teaching them in the doctrine, which is according to godliness. And folks, that's what you want. Because if, if you're not involved in the, in the words and the teaching of the doctrine, which is according to godliness, and you don't consent to that, Paul mentions here the, the classification and the description, a psychoanalysis of God's perspective of a believer who doesn't want to be involved in the doctrine, which is according to godliness. He says in verse 4 of First Timothy chapter 6, He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. And folks, we don't want to be members of the body of Christ today and be ones that are classified as that. It's it's a It truly is... Um, remarkable that god's grace can save someone but yet still be uh one can still be classified as that and and godliness is an issue of after salvation from the debt and penalty of sins you you have to be saved you have to be justified first in order to be godly and so um but the reality is is that you can be justified unto eternal life and be an ungodly christian and, folks, that's actually what I want to talk about today. And that has briefly come out in, in my own personal study is the, the rebuke and the, the correction of God's word. Uh, you may have heard it been said before, and it truly is a faithful saying, that as you read the Bible, as much as you read it, it reads you. But, folks, you also need to allow it to read you. Um, over there in first Thessalonians in chapter two I believe it talks about uh, which God who tr- which trieth our hearts, God tries our hearts and he and he proves them and he searches them and that takes place but there's an issue that we ought to enlarge our hearts to the things of God, yea the deep things of God and as, as much as we highly esteem the grand, passages in God's Word. For instance, over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and he says, and we know that, that uh, this worketh for us a far more, this light affliction worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When you're, when you're talking about the weight of glory and an exceeding eternal weight of glory and the magnificence of that passage, you're over there in Romans chapter 5 and he talks about the hope of the glory of God. And the, and the grace which in we stand and, and the being justified by faith and, and all these things and the much assurance of our salvation, things we hang our hat upon, the foundation and fundamentals of the faith that we latch hold on to, as much as we highly esteem those passages, when it comes to other matters regarding godliness that may not be what they ought to be in our life, then we need to highly esteem the passages that are going to reprove us, they're going to correct us, and they're going to instruct us. Meaning, instruction meaning, it's going to be information we don't innately know. And therefore, we need to come to know it. In fact, that's what God's has designed His Word to do. As man is sinful by nature and falls victim to... Our own flesh, we fall victim to the course of this world and we fall victim to the satanic policy of evil against us. God's word, again, not only grants us all these spiritual blessings, but when we don't avail ourselves of the doctrine and the godliness, and therefore don't avail ourselves of God's thinking and don't avail ourselves of the conduct and behavior fitting to who we are in Christ, and we don't avail ourselves in the, the manifold operations that God has. We need to therefore have that reproved by God. Because those grand passages about his the hope of the glory of God and the the, 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 the reward then the reward of an inheritance and that that Paul was pressing toward the mark of the high prize and and, and that he that he runs lawfully, not that he would obtain a a corruptible crown, but an uncorruptible crown. Those passages, folks, the the reproof and the correction and the admonition and the instruction of righteousness that God's going to have is to steer us and get us back where we need to be so that goal and that end and that ultimate objective can be had. And there's one passage, I want to tell you that this is what God's Word is, uh, is designed to do. And I want to go look over at one passage uh, that has really, uh, has been working in me lately. Second Timothy chapter 3, and look at verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine. We saw that over there in First Timothy chapter 6, that the doctrine according to godliness. But what if that, that's not going the way it's supposed to? Well, God's Word, all Scripture, is profitable not only for doctrine, but... For reproof For correction And for instruction in righteousness Why? What's the purpose of the reproof The correction and the instruction of in righteousness Verse 17 That the man of God may be perfect The doctrine provides perfection But when there's a swerving Or there's a there's a mishap On our part when it comes to the doctrine We need to be reproved We need to be corrected And instructed in righteousness That the man of God That we may be Perfect. And that's not perfect as far as justified unto eternal life, declared righteous. That perfect is a spiritual maturity in the doctrine unto godliness. And he says, verse 17, truly furnished unto all good works. Therefore, the scripture is going to give us the doctrine to do good works. But if we fail at some point, the scripture is also going to reprove, correct, and instruct us in righteousness that we might be furnished unto all good works be able to therefore fulfill and do all good works therefore again we must look at this reproof and this correction and instruction in righteousness as a a vital and essential component to our edification our conformity to the image of christ now there's a passage again that i've wanted to look at and that's i've been going through um turn with me to galatians Chapter five, I believe. Uh, Galatians, uh, sorry, Galatians chapter six. You know the Galatians put themselves back under the law. Under uh, the law, Paul talks about how they desired to uh, be in bondage again uh, to the weak and beggarly elements. He told them to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ had made them free, and not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. He called the law a schoolmaster and a tutor and governor. The law was an education system. There's an education system of of some elementary type issues. And now being adopted, Galatians chapter four, and therefore having the adoption of sons, and no longer being under a tutor and governor and a schoolmaster, we have the knowledge of God through his in the face of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, we have a we have a blessed thing. We have a a strong Not a a weak and beggarly thing, but a, a strong and glorious thing. And as Paul compares the two educations throughout Galatians, he warns the Galatians here at the end of the epistle about being deceived, being deceived through doctrine that is not fitting, it's not suitable, and is not consistent with the doctrine taught by the Apostle Paul. And not just the fact that you are aware of Paul's epistles, you understand that Paul's your apostle, you understand that there is a dispensation of grace in which you live, that you understand you're under grace, but that you know the components, you know the thoughts that are generated, and the, uh, the objectives and the goals and the aims that, that Paul the apostle was committed and that God the Father has to get accomplished the conformity to the image of his Son those detailed things and the deception that we can have. Therefore it is, is true and it is, it's, a, it's a faithful saying and it is evident that even those that understand the fundamentals of right division can still be deceived. It's right division just makes you aware, it just opens the door. You actually have to go through the door and absorb all that is in the room. And there's deception to keep you out of that room, even when you understand right division. And there's deception to get you into another room. There's a deception to uh, draw you away from the things that God has for you. Here, the Galatians were putting themselves into law. Look what he says here in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. He says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Folks, simply understanding right division is not the fullness, it's not the whole gamut of God's goals, aims, and objectives for us. Therefore, it's not the totality of sowing to the Spirit. Therefore, you can have understand right division, but still sow to the flesh. The Galatians, it was by putting themselves back under the law. But if you put yourself through any education system that isn't fitting to the doctrine under godly edification, then you end up serving or, or sowing to the flesh. And the, the reproof comes there, be not deceived. God is not mocked. And that word mocked is, is, is talking about the issue of a, of a counterfeit, some, something that's false. It's, it's imitating reality, but it's not real. In this context, it imitates fruit. It sows and it reaps, and therefore has fruit. He, he just explained that back there in chapter 5. But it's corrupt. Because the sowing is corrupt, the, reap, the reaping is corrupt, the fruit is corrupt. Whether that's putting yourself under the law or your own made-up system of how to live under God, it's corrupt. And therefore, you need to know what the Spirit's doing. And therefore, you need to know how to sow to the Spirit. And you need to know, therefore, how to get that life everlasting. The fruit that you can take with you out of this world. And the, the reproof again is going to the issue God is not mocked. He will, he will not be uh, fooled. He will not be deceived by our false, counterfeit, imitated reality, but not real type fruit. And therefore, the way in which that verse reads us is we need to be not deceived. We need to be not deceived to think that we can just live any way we want. And because we love God, then God's going to be pleased with that. But we want to live under God the way he wants us to. And therefore not mock God. Not think that he won't look at our life and what we've sowed and what we've reaped. And not evaluate it, not see whether it's to the flesh or to the spirit. He ends in verse 9 and 10. He gives the reproof there in verse 7. He further explains and amplifies that. He gives the correction. In verse 9, and the instruction of righteousness. In verse 10, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And therefore we shouldn't be weary in well-doing. Not just the fact that we do good, but well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And that reap, that reaping to the Spirit, that's that life everlasting. That's the reward of the inheritance that Paul has talked about. That's the crown that he talks about there in Corinthians. And as we have therefore opportunity, we should do good unto all men. Folks, my prayer is that we wouldn't think that a verse like verses 7 and 8 of Galatians chapter 6 does not consider us. That we can never sow to the flesh. And that we always sow to the Spirit. And that we wouldn't be deceived. And that we would come to realize God is not mocked. And that we would therefore not be weary in well-doing. And not faint. Because in due season we shall reap. If reap If we sow to the Spirit, we'll reap life everlasting. The fruit that we can take out of this life. That is worthy of the reward of the inheritance. Well, we'll, con- we'll look at a different matter next week. Until then, look up.